This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9 uh, and the morning run continues with Julian Nkusu Chuang and myself, Sharad Kutin. It's time for the SNM show. <laughs> The show that's what uh, that's sorry, that whip always gets me. The show that's about what's working and what's not in stocks and markets. So, guys, we have a background, a global situation of tough economic conditions, low growth expected to linger for some time, um, and banks are trading on an average at uh, one times to price to book ratio. Is it time? And I, I'm gathering that's a good thing. So, is it time to buy banks? Yeah, I think this is. A very curious case because I've seen one or two articles uh, from those evil Western publications like Wall Street Journal, right, (laughs) Uh, which says that they uh, it's it's very um, curious right now because banks uh, you don't know whether they are doing it to themselves or whether it's uh, the economic situation driving their activities. For example, they are afraid to lend money out right now. And they fear, uh, along the lines of Deutsche Bank and others, that uh, the lawsuit from the U.S. government is just one step away. So this is actually curbing the activities of the bank. And today we're asking the question of whether uh, banks are their own obstacles to growth. And therefore, that will give a clue as to whether we should uh, buy into banks right now. Whether this is, a, you know, when, when people say that uh, bad news are at its peak, that would be the correct time to get into stocks. Are you talking about Malaysian banks or American banks or banks in general? I, I'd like to focus on Malaysian banks. Okay, because when it comes to Malaysian banks, I think on a, on a sectoral basis, on a price-to-book ratio, uh, banks are quite cheap, yes. I think just over one-time book value. Yeah. And uh, you can get cheaper banks if you, if you uh, go down into the details. Uh, correct. But then when you look at it, uh, the, the, you know, the sectoral basis, it also contains the, most, the world's most expensive bank in the form of public bank. Public bank trades something at, what, 2.5 times book value, yeah. which is huge. So uh, that's skewed by public bank, right? Correct, the average correct, valuation. So, correct. So, so in buying stocks, you actually want to buy a stock that's actually not doing so well. Cheaper than the average. La. Right, right. Yeah. So with, with obviously, with uh, the horizon being uh, a little brighter, so the idea is you buy cheap and you sell high. Actually, Sharad, you raised a very good point because I think the investment community is – sort of still uh, trying to decide whether they want to buy a stock that's doing very well and, um, um, you know, by extension would likely be quite expensive or you want to buy a stock that's not doing so very well but uh, trading very cheaply. That means a good value for money. Um, We're still quite undecided about that. And if you look at uh, whether the banks are doing well right now uh, by their own either their own volition or by uh, the situation in the challenge, challenging economics environment, uh, they are, are having a very high rejection of loan rates, uh, loan rejection rate right now. You see a fifth, half of mortgage applications are rejected. 60% of car uh, loan applications are rejected and education and personal loans uh, around a 35% uh, rejection rate. You know, Julian, sometimes when people say, you know, give advice to you about buying stocks, they say, look at the fundamentals, right? Look at what's actually not, not the volatility that comes from external factors and, and such. So, I mean, how do we know whether a bank is strong, it's solvent, it's, it's going to move forward, even though in, you know, challenging times, challenges coming from fintech and whatever. How do you know that the fundamentals are good? Well, I think the answer is it depends. If you're a very, very long-term investor, then 
Um, there are a whole bunch of factors which are basically saying no, banks are not good investments for the long term. If you talk about Why now, well, okay, I'm going to read out a whole bunch of things, right? For example, um, in the long term, you've you've got basically banks, and this is a global issue, but we're going to focus on Malaysia, right? Um, public bank or any other bank for that matter is in the habit of pushing product. They push you products and services and all that, but they don't care about you. And when you look at um, um, certain, certain specific reports, like the very recent uh, retail bank report by Gallup, it just shows very rightly that millennials, who are basically born between 1980 and 1996, they don't care for, the, for who you are or what bank you are. They don't, they don't care about you because you don't, they, they think that you don't care about them. And that's largely true. They'll throw credit cards at you, personal loans, mortgages, high purchases, whatever, but they don't even care to know anything about you. It's very true, right? Sorry, sorry, that hurt. By the way, um, so I'm so, sure it hurt the banks more than hurt you. Well, no, well, not you really. Know, but no, is no. it possible for the banks to reinvent themselves? I mean, we have. But it's hard. Of- it's hard. You see, and the, and the, and the other reason why, uh, over the very very long term, banks are not the right platform to be investing in because of fintech, right? Um, right now, you've got very specific, very vertical platforms like peer-to-peer lending or Bitcoin or things like PayPal, for example. But it's getting more and more pervasive. But it's more and more coming to Malaysia. And I think that's why Bank Negara has decided to take matters into their own hands and in, in introduce this sandbox scheme whereby at least they're trying to corral resources into this thing. But you cannot change it. And when you look at, say, something like net margins, I'm going to cite Public Bank because you know they're the most expensive bank, the most successful. But at net margin level, they're 54% net margins for that means for every one ringgit of revenue, they take home and put in their pockets 54%. That's huge. Okay. That's massive. Okay, Chuan, can I ask you this? Are there banks and are there banks? I mean, in the sense that, you know, the, the banks for, you know, us in, who travel cattle class and then the banks for those who are always in business class, you know, the private banks, you, have these, you see these beautiful ads, they care for you. You know, you that's get transported. What they say, that's what they say on the tin. They don't mean it. I, I don't know. I'm. I'm. Of, obviously, you guys know my position. I'm from the school of thought where you can't really predict the future, and so uh, in that sense, either you just buy into entire markets, or you say to yourself that there are opportunities. Sometimes uh, I. I don't bother with trying to pr- predict the future, so I buy into entire markets. But just going back to the subject of fintech. Um, I don't think this is the first time that banks have been disrupted. Remember uh, that worry. Uh, 20 years back when uh, bond issuance started coming out into the market and people were tr- were trying to assess whether this would displace the bank and it, and it hasn't because the banks have got into the game of issuing bonds they collect fees from advising as well as from placing out the bonds and today i think the banks are in a very good position to address exactly those factors that you talk about because they're so deep pocketed they can spend a lot of money trying to decipher the mind of the millennials so i don't know uh, the answer to that is i don't know but bringing it back to today's discussion of whether the banks are their own obstacles and whether we should buy into banks is it macro or is it self driven because you have extremely low low loan growth and you got uh, extreme conservatism that's going on in the banks. They're trying to raise a lot of money, making provisions. Is that stalling the loan growth or is the loan growth driven by the economy? Can I ask a question, right? Some of the big stories, I mean, Chong, you pointed to the kind of uh, M&A binge that's happening globally. And what we're seeing in commentaries is saying the, line, the banks are lining up to, uh, to, put, to, uh, to, to lend money to, say, AT&T to purchase Time Warner. And is that where the growth will be in these big loans to to fund uh, these uh, M&As? 
Well, I mean, traditionally, the banks, with the, especially the universal banks, might deploy their investment bankers and try and make money from fees. But you know, on the deal front, that's actually very thin as well. If you look at initial issuances, the last one or two years has been very, very dry because um, I guess sentiment is poor and markets are poor. Uh, as, as on the secondary front, maybe less, less vibrant as well as before. Um, I mean, there are so many things you know vitiating bank performance right now. Um, I mean, look at net net margins, right? I guess in Malaysia, the direction towards interest rates are, are southwards, right? Yeah. I think Bank Negara by December will raise, will drop basis points, by will drop rates by twenty five basis points again because you know growth is slowing. So that means margins at banks are going to get thinner. Yeah. Um, just to add um, a view on Shiraz's question about uh, the takeover deals that's going on around the world right now, uh, the banks don't mind lending to those kind of deals because they're very short term and you make a quick buck uh, in and out uh, after takeover. You know, the acquiry uh, might use uh, the combined entity to pay off loans or whatever. The point is that those kind of those kinds of lending have got no effect on economic growth. Uh, They're just there to uh, uh, facilitate change of shareholdings from one person to another, right? Well, what it, about the, it doesn't affect econ- economic growth. And oh, so I don't the, think the macroeconomic growth, what about I don't the, think the that, bottom line for the bank? I mean, we're talking about whether you should buy a, a bank stock because they're doing well. If those big deals... Yeah, but the M&A binge is happening around the world. It's happening in America and China. It's there's a not, fad. There, well, it's a fad as well yeah. as situational, but there's not much M&A in Malaysia as well as in ASEAN. I mean, you look at the league tables, no one's really doing any deals because also, they're not they're confident also you about can't, the future. you can't predict how long M&As would last. So at some point in time, you've got to fall back to economic growth. And uh, that's the tough question, right? Whether banks can go back to their core businesses and lend, lend to the economy. So we'll come back with the big question for the day, which is, should you buy into banking stock after this? BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9. I'm Sherrod Kutten, along with me, Julian Ng and Kusu Chuang. And it's the SNM show. We're looking at stocks. I was trying to get in before that whip. Uh, we're looking at. You want to be whipped, Sherrod? No, no, not no. The, no, that's not the school I came from. Uh, and anyway, speaking of schools of thought and how it leads you to make decisions, uh, you know, Julian, you say you went to that school where they didn't put a crystal ball in your satchel. So no, his school is he buys the entire index. He doesn't care about one stock. Yeah, because isn't it, is it I don't true care about the details. that you can't beat the market in the long term and so you might as well just Hang on uh, for the long well, term. No, you, you buy you buy the that's subject for trend. another complete yeah, yeah. Uh, ten episodes. Julian belongs to the John Bo- Vogel. Is it John Vogel? Yeah, John Vogel School of Thought. It's Vanguard. Quite, it's quite uh, okay. confusing actually because he goes by Jack and John. Jack, that's that's yeah. right. Jack Vogel. Okay. But anyway, he was the creator of Index Funds, and as I say, uh, we can create ten other episodes based on this passive way of investing. Okay, passive um, or active? There's a question to be answered that was posed when we first started the show, and that. Should you buy into banking stocks? I don't know if, Chong, you've made uh, a persuasive enough uh, argument not to buy. But uh, so you actually have given us your answer, haven't you, in some sense? You know, when young people in BFM ask me, you know, when we get money from Malik, you know, we should buy a stock. Which stock should it be? And I always tell them Maybank, right? It is the biggest, most liquid stock in Malaysia. It's got a fantastic platform, fantastic franchise. It has probably got a a dividend yield somewhere in the region of 7%. And uh, you can't go worse. You can't do any worse than Maybank. They've got a fantastic management team. But over the long term, will they be doing as well as they are now? I don't know. Uh, Are they fun? Are they? Fun stock because well no they're not fun they're not because the they don't that, go up and they're not like not a roller coaster. Not in the way coaster. that gives you palpitations. <laughs> well, Chong, you would have been 
wrong in your advice. And I, I take the word wrong a little bit loosely because I, I don't believe that anyone can predict uh, prices in the immediate term anyway. But you have been wrong in the last two years because Maybank has uh, not made any money for uh, investors over the last two years, right? Uh, and, and Maybank actually... I mean, they've been making profits. No, they've been throwing Yeah, but the investors have not made money out of the share price. From the share capital price, gains, maybe not, but from dividends, that's okay. Perhaps, perhaps. And there's uh, a very interesting dividend reinvestment plan, which you can plow back into... Oh, that's uh, something that I, I totally oppose because... <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I think you should uh, have a diversified portfolio and not putting more money uh, of your dividends into the same stock and... Uh, pushing up the concentration of, of your portfolio into one stock. But anyway, I, I think that uh, there is the question of the regulatory environment as well. I mean, the banks are being held back in countries like the United States because of this post-crisis stigma. People still hate the banks. A lot of hate going out to the banks, right? And Deutsche quite Bank. Right, quite rightly so. Yeah. And, and locally at home, uh, Bank Negara also making certain rulings like having to stagger the bonuses of uh, bank ex- executives as well as uh, separating the role of a chairman and CEO as well as uh, banks themselves uh, have to undertake a lot of these um, capitalization exercises uh, because of Basel II and because of IFRS and so on and so forth. Uh, are these... One of the most basic things that would drive share price performance is growth, right? So I'm asking the question of whether the regulatory environment is conducive for growth of well, the quite, banks. Quite, quite yeah. simply, no, because if you talk about, if you talk to any bank officer now, and he'll tell you that just compliance alone is taking up so much of their time and resources that maybe they don't have enough time and resources to put to more productive weeds. And in the rest of the, of the economy, from, from mortgage loans to high-purchase loans to um, business loans to uh, personal loans, I mean, on a corporate level, and we've talked about this with, for example, um, Steve Keen, on a, on, a, on a government level, I think um, government-to-GDP debt ratios are something in the order of uh, 75% if you include contingent liabilities. On the personal front, if you include personal plus corporate debt, we're 150% of GDP. Uh, debt to GDP ratio, so we are at our eyeballs in you know up to our eyeballs in debt. There's not much room left to grow. Okay, okay. So the question was posed by Julian Chuang. You sort of answered it quite uh, in quite strong. You laid out your arguments for a no. Uh, is it no or yes? Because no, I, no, I hear no, you. No, he's saying no. I hear him saying no. He's I saying hear no. him saying by Maybank. No, well, no, that's his, that's his advice to the to well, the schmucks. Out of the whole <laughs> whole universe of thousand three hundred stocks in KLSE. Yeah, get Maybank as the most predictable safe, you know. You're that sounds like a yes to me. Yeah, no, yeah that's <laughs> well, very it, conflicting. No, I think he's saying to young over people the, who are not term. investing a huge amount of money. Yeah. if you're gonna in, if you're gonna invest, then you might as well invest in yeah. this. That's what he's saying. Yeah. It's safe and such. But Julian, you've been posing all these questions. What's your answer? I mean, what are you saying to so, the question? Should you buy banking stocks? Bearing in mind that I don't give any value to predictions. And uh, bearing in mind that the talk is cheap, cheap and we are in a position to always pay lip service <laughs> to this kind of recommendations. I, th- I say it would be a yes because from a very Machiavellian viewpoint, you really need the banks to propel the economy. And if the government has some kind of a growth agenda and if the government is going to say that economy is going to grow to such a level where we become a high-income society, then uh, the banks would be proxies for the economy. 
And that is uh, sort of uh, supported by the fact that banks are so extremely cheap. I mean, never have we seen this kind of valuations before, save for some of the crises periods like uh, the Asian financial crisis or the global financial crisis. I mean, you have banks like CIMB trading below one time. Um, the, one-time the, book value. Yeah, one-time book value, right? Uh, that means they're trading cheaper than what they're accounting uh, assets are, are worth. Maybank around the one time. There are certain cheap banks like um, RHB, for example. I mean, this is one of the major banks in Malaysia. That's 0.8 times price to book. Malaysian Building Society is uh, you know, not, not exactly, exactly the best <laughs> bank in the world or not exactly a bank, but still extremely cheap for... Uh, a reason to make people salivate a certain players to so salivate you, over. Hold on. So now that you've said yes to buying a banking stock, the question is which bank? And you just uh, uh, laid out some of the the uh, you know the, the the characteristics of some of these banks in terms of uh, their performance. But uh, do you do, so? Do what do you buy? Do you buy the cheap bank or do you buy the one that's strong and steady? I mean, how do and you make sure, a difference? Sure, it's like thinking, well, which one should I buy? Uh, Maya, now? <laughs> after this one, after, after this the show, one, yeah, yeah. yeah, just, just, just remember that. <laughs> Just remember that uh, you shouldn't take my recommendations wholesale and you should consult your broker, do your research, blah, blah, blah. You and like you're one of the fund managers. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is a legal disclaimer, all right? I don't believe everything Because you went I to say. that school without yeah. your, your, the crystal ball in your satchel. <laughs> okay, I, I still have yet to understand that analogy. But uh, I would go back to valuation because this is the part which is most supported by empirical research, uh, which says that uh, it's always better to buy cheaper stocks than uh, expensive stocks. And you make more money over the long term uh, catching stocks at the lower end of their valuations. And in this vein, um, AMMB looks cheap at 0.7 or 0.8 times price to book. RHB, one of the more major banks in Malaysia, owned in the majority by the EPF. I mean, how can we allow the EPF to fail, right? The EPF latest results, um, the huge billions of ringgit of impairment coming from the holdings of RHB and Malaysian Building Society. So we, we need uh, sort of to engineer a plan to turn this around if, if I were EPF, right? Uh, so RHB and MBSB look like they're good candidates. Okay, what about the, the question? I mean, you buy into a stock, you, you're looking at what your returns are going to be and over what kind of period. So when you buy into a banking stock, are you looking at keeping it there for the longest time so that you get a decent thing? It depends. Thing? It depends. Yeah, you gotta you yeah. gotta keep it there for a long time, and you, it's, these are not well, the only stocks you, you should buy. You have a pretty diversified portfolio, but I would say you know uh, the trading range or price to book ratios. Uh, you're talking Malaysian banks have hit almost two times price to book ratio. On average, they probably are trading between one and a half to one point eight times price to book. This is. Uh, two thirds below. There's one third below that. The normal trading ranges, right? So, uh, okay. So you've made a positive, yeah. uh, you so, know, okay, account so, of this. Yeah. I mean, Chuang, are you persuaded at all by uh, uh, Julian's um, recommendations? I mean, do you see the point? What would you concede some ground no, to Julian? Jules is absolutely right. But then when you look at a stock with 0.9 times, you've got another, you know, 0.8 to go, right, downwards. Well, the reason I say this is because the government, which is the, basically the biggest propeller of growth in this country the last X number of years, they are in cost-cutting mode. They've got a fiscal deficit to trim by 2020. That's in four years' time. It now stands at 3.1% of GDP. The, the pace of reduction has been snail slow. Now, Moody's have said that we're not going to get to, three, uh, to parity by 2020. No way, because you're just reducing too slowly. 
And if 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 fiscal reform measures step up as as we get nearer to twenty twenty, the banks are going to be the first to suffer. And 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 therefore. Not a good reason, to, a good buy reason to buy into banking stocks. Okay. I, like, I like this discussion because we have not come to any conclusion. Uh, <laughs> no which consensus. Bodes well for we must be the only people in Malaysia who get so excited about discussing <laughs> bank, bank, bank stocks. <laughs> well, thank you very much. That was Kusu Chuang and Kus Julian Ng and myself, Sharad Kutin. On uh, the SNM show, uh, the morning run comes to an, a close. We're going to go up to 10 o'clock for the news. Uh, also, after that, Enterprise, BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.